There are going to be weeks and months where we're seeing like a down month or we're seeing this or that challenge. There's always going to be those. And I have to be mentally able to say like, these are just problems that need to be dealt with. And we have mm -hmm. plenty of time in the runway to work on those problems without saying, oh, this business isn't going to work. Hello and welcome back to Indie Bites, the podcast arriving you stories of fellow indie hackers in 15 minutes or less. Today I'm joined by Brian Castle, who is a veteran of the bootstrapping game, having left his full-time job back in 2008. You might have heard his voice on the Bootstrap Web podcast where he shares his journey starting and building software products. Over the years, Brian has pretty much done it all, built software businesses, courses, productized services, and even sold some along the way. Most recently, Brian has been working on ZipMessage, a new way to communicate asynchronously. In this episode, we talk about why he started ZipMessage, a framework from going from a freelancer to a productized services, and why Brian never pursued his passion for music as a business. There's a one hour long version of this conversation available on the Indie Bytes membership. Head to bytes.fm slash membership or click the link in the show notes to listen to that. A quick thank you to Fathom Analytics for sponsoring this episode. For the longest time, website analytics software was seriously bad. It was hard to understand, time-consuming to use, and worse, it exploited visitor data for big tech to profit. Fathom is simple website analytics that doesn't suck. It's easy to use and respectful of privacy laws with no cookies following your users around the web. They're also a bootstrap sustainable indie business, so I love supporting them. Yes, it may feel strange paying for analytics at first, but once you realize the real cost of free Google Analytics and realizing how easy Fathom is to use, you won't go back. You can install the lightweight code on as many websites or side products as you want and quickly see the performance of all your sites. Head to usefathom.com slash bytes or hit the link in the show notes to give it a go. Brian, welcome to the podcast. How are you? Hey, James. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So let's talk a little bit about zip message it's where you're focusing on at the moment where did you first stumble across the idea and start building it i had the idea in late 2020 i guess it was and it was one of those like shiny object ideas that i felt like this should really exist and it doesn't but at the time i was working on another product uh, called process kit and i still owned audience ops which i just recently sold and the, the main idea was i want an easy way to send a link to someone else and ask them to join me in an asynchronous conversation. And that could mean asking them to record their screen or record a video or audio and send it back to me. I've already been using tools like Loom for recording mm -hmm. myself and sending that to someone else. But in order to get into a back and forth asynchronous conversation, Loom isn't great for that. Number one, it, it doesn't have the conversational aspect, but number two, especially if you're gonna send it to a client or to a customer or to like a freelancer that you're working with, it's, it's just way too much friction to say, hey, can you sign up for some tool and let's go back and forth on video without having to do all these live Zoom calls or book all these meetings and things like that. A Slack and email, it, it's fine for text chat, but that's not the same as like a face-to-face -face conversation. I wanted an easy way to fire up async conversations by just sending a link. And uh, that's been the idea since day one. Okay, so you were solving your own problem that you come across and a, a lot of founders a lot of indie hackers that have these side projects they have these shiny project ideas what they'll often do is just go into a room build it and launch it because they want this product to exist your experience with this brian what did you do to to validate that this was a problem that it's worth building a product for yeah that's an interesting question i i have 
started lots of shiny object products in the past and some of them stuck in, into businesses that lasted several years and some of them were just little projects that only lasted a couple of months. And my approach to validation has also evolved over that time. There was a time when I was all about doing pre-sales, right? You know, where I would put up a landing page and ask people to prepay for a product and then build it later. Mm -hmm. I, I actually didn't have a great experience with that. I found that, yeah, I was able to collect pre-orders from people, but most of those people actually didn't end up being long-term paying customers. They, they just sort of wanted to follow along with their journey. So I, I don't fully believe in that model. I think it could work. It, it works especially well for like courses and stuff, but not great for software products. And then as time went on, I started to look at product validation more like observing a market and seeing patterns in, in the market. With ZipMessage, I was looking at First of all, the whole world is going remote now. Remote's mm -hmm. been around for, for many years, but now it's really kicking into high gear, like worldwide. There's that like macro trend happening. We know that. The other big one is that like asynchronous communication is also on the rise. And that seemed like an opening to try something. The other thing that I'll say is I did put together a landing page pretty early on in the process, but I also started building pretty quickly this time around. I, I am now of the mindset that it is okay to build if you could build a version one pretty quickly. So we were actually able to go from literally no code, like idea up to a product that is usable and ready for paying customers in about three and a half months or so. How did it go when you launched it in terms of growth and getting users and, and how's it looking now? We're recording this in, in uh, October, 2021. So we literally started building it right around January 1st. First users was like in March, first paying customers was in April. And then it's been growing pretty steadily since then. But it's, you know, we're still within the first year. So it's still very early on. The MRR growth and the customer base growth has been pretty good so far. Like, like I'm seeing all the good early signs that like traction is faster than other products that I've tried in the past. So that's given me a little bit more like confidence. So it's been great that you're seeing that initial traction from Zip Message, but you've done something which is quite interesting, which I'm seeing more and more bootstrappers do, which is going out and raising funding from one of these alternative funding methods. You chose Calm Company Fund. Talk to me about why this was the right moment for you to raise the funding and what makes the Calm Fund different for you. I recently sold my business Audience Ops. And I sold that business and I took the funding in the, in the same month. Part of it was like, you know, I wanted to take some of the money off the table from the exit and not just burn through that. Because I have been self-funding ZipMessage up until now. But like this actually gives me the freedom to really focus and, and execute for a while now on, on ZipMessage without feeling the, the personal financial pressure of burning through uh, the cash from, yeah. from the exit. So there, there was that. And I mean, I was exploring routes of, of funding. I was talking to like angel investors and and I even spoke to like one VC about it. And But ultimately the offer from ComFund made a lot of sense and it's most aligned with the most likely way that I plan to build this, which is very much like a bootstrapper, like to, to keep it profitable and sustainable long-term. One of the big differences with ComFund is they use what they call a SEAL, a, a shared earnings agreement. And basically they set like a multiple that gives you an option to pay back their investment at a multiple over a period of time. And that kind of buys back some of the equity that they would take. Or you can keep that profit in the company and then they retain their earnings. So it's like either way, if you are super profitable and you go long term with it, you could you could use that to buy down their equity, whereas a typical investor would get points in the company kind of forever. And that's that's how that goes. 
How's the dynamic for you with your work compared to those previous projects? Now you've got the funding. How are you finding the day-to-day difference? It has been an adjustment mentally. I'm still getting used to the idea of like, I'm committing to this business. That means like there are going to be weeks and months where we're seeing like a down month or we're seeing this or that challenge. There's always going to be those. And the idea is like, well, I have the resources to push through that. And I have to be mentally able to say like, these are just problems that need to be dealt with. And we have Mm -hmm. plenty of time in the runway to work on those problems without saying, oh, this business isn't going to work. We can go do something else. But then at the same time, it's also like I, I did sell my my other business audience ops. And for, for the sev- yeah. last several years there, like that's been a nice sustainable cash flow business for me. And now I don't have that anymore. So it's like I'm spending runway anytime I'm spending money. But but at least we do have the resources to spend money and, and try to be more aggressive on stuff. So you have to change the name of the podcast. <laughs> we talked about that on, on the show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Zip Message is amazing. I recommend people try it. And you mentioned Audience Ops, your previous productized service. And uh, you've, you spent a fair amount of time on this business, on productized services. And I know this isn't your focus now, but I'm interested for people that might be doing a lot of freelancing now and are interested in productizing. How should they go about doing that? And you mentioned the stair step and approach. How can people apply that? I still strongly believe in the productized service model, although I'm not working on that type of business today anymore, but I really believe that it is the path of least resistance to go from being a freelancer to being an actual business owner. If you're freelancing, you're you're taking on projects, maybe doing hourly rates, maybe doing project pricing, whatever it may be, but to then make the leap over to Mm -hmm. whether it's a SaaS business or a course business, or you wanna write a book or something like that, that's a huge leap and it does not happen overnight to be able to grow the income from something like that to even come come close to replacing a freelance income because you can make pretty good money as a freelancer, especially if you've been at it for more than like a year or two. I mean, Audience Ops was literally launched in a matter of 30 days or less to go from like idea to actual paying clients and then four figures and, and then five figures of, of MRR within a matter of a couple of months. One of the beautiful things about it is being able to learn and build those processes while you're delivering the services to paying clients. Whereas like with a SaaS, you got to do that market validation. Then you got to build the product that takes many months. Mm -hmm. And then it's like years to grow the MRR to a sustainable level. So you just need much more runway to do that sort of thing. But productized services are much, much faster. Not to say that they're easy. They are not easy, but they're faster. How do you feel that freelancers can make that step from just doing their freelancing work to like what is the first thing they should do should they write out a list of the things that they currently do for clients and then put them in a document and figure out what products they can make from them where where do they start i think the thing that i always used to like to talk about is first start with whatever advantages you already have inroads into a certain market contacts with a certain type of client or a certain audience or, or a community and if you don't have these things go to conferences, meet people, go on podcasts, start your own podcast, meet more people, like do things for free and that that get you out there and, and meet people. But usually if you're a freelancer, you've already met quite a few people through your clients and, and that sort of thing. So usually that gives you some insider information, some some insight into, oh, these clients have this problem that most people don't even know about, but the people that do know about it know how high value that problem is. That's the most interesting area to start focusing on. The difficult part is saying like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to say 
I'm not going to do 80% of that stuff. And I'm just going to focus on this one type of project for this one type of customer and deliver it in a prepackaged service that includes all these different things that, that solve this one problem. You know, maybe it's yourself doing it at first, but it's designed and it's intended to be repeatable mm-hmm. so that you can build a process around it so that you can hire people to slot into the process. Brian, I want to round off the episode talking about one last thing. We, we've spoken before privately off air about your passion for music. You share stuff on Twitter about how much you love music. I'm interested, I'm curious, because you're really in a position where you could choose to go down a route or start something around business that does provide you with a living doing what you really enjoy have you had any ideas around stuff with music that you want to do or is it you just want to keep music separate i did come really close to starting a music based business (laughs) going all the way back i actually went to school for audio production audio engineering i thought i was going to be working in recording studios then i got into the web because there wasn't any money to be made in the music industry Mm -hmm. when you're in in your 20s coming out of college so i pivoted my career into the web learned web design went freelance started building web-based businesses, built and sold Restaurant Engine in 2015. And that was the year that I started to look at three or four different business ideas. One of them was a SaaS product, and I decided that's going to take way too long. Mm -hmm. Another one was like, maybe this is the time to dive back into music. But then again, I ran into that hesitation of, this is starting from scratch with Mm -hmm. an audience from zero. And that was kind of daunting to me at the time. So I was like, you know what? It's too risky to invest all the energy in building up that muscle and that audience from from scratch. So at that point, that's when I stumbled into the idea to start Audience Ops. And I was like, that is a productized service business that does leverage my existing network, my audience, contacts in the industry. I know exactly how I can make revenue pretty quickly. And I launched that within 30 days. And then music remained a hobby from there ever since. Brian, we end every episode on three recommendations. A book people should listen to, a podcast that you enjoy, and an indie hacker or entrepreneur that you should, that people should follow you've been inspired by. I really liked uh, Shoe Dog. That was really good. I, oh, I, I liked the Steve Jobs biography too. That was pretty good. And I also enjoyed, in, in that vein, I liked Creativity Inc., the, the story of, of Pixar. Yeah. That's pretty good too. And then podcast. Oh, podcast. What have I been listening to lately? I listened to this this show called Smartless. It's with Sean Hayes, uh, Will Arnett, and uh, Jason Bateman, the, the actors. And then they have a fourth guest, like another celebrity, usually another actor or comedian. And one of them invites the guest, and, the, and it's like a surprise to the other ones. And they all you know, bust each other's chops and everything. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Indie hacker op- entrepreneur, I'm going to say a James McKinvin, if, if you've ever heard of him. <laughs> I, heard he, I heard he launched a new course about podcasting, like two-hour podcasting. It's a pretty cool angle. You should definitely check that out. And, and if you haven't already, definitely subscribe to his podcast. It's pretty good. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate you spending time chatting with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Indie Bites. I'd recommend going away and listening to Brian's pod Bootstrap Web if you want to hear more from him. Also, if you enjoyed this very conversation, I think you'll love the hour-long version on the Indie Bites membership. The link, of course, is in the show notes. And I'll round off with another thank you to the sponsor of this episode, Fathom Analytics. See you next week.